Good morning, church. Good morning. It's so nice to be with you in in heart and in faith, even if we can't be together in presence, but we can be together this way. The question on my mind this morning is, what do you do when your life is spinning out of control? Now, I want you to think about this for a second because I know that you think that if you do everything right, then maybe your life won't spin out of control. But if your life has ever spun out of control and you thought it through really well and things went wrong haywire, then you know that life spins out of control. It doesn't matter how well you've thought it through. It will. So the text this morning is the first 20 verses of chapter 8 of John. I'm going to read those. Some of those were from last week, and then this week I'm going to put it all together for you. So this is the woman caught in adultery text. In some cases, um, in many transcripts and things like that, um, this text doesn't appear in about a third of the manuscripts, but it does appear in the majority of the text. And so often when you look in your Bible, it'll have this little note in there that says, this isn't in every manuscript. And so if if it wasn't in the trusted ones, it wouldn't be in there. It would have a note down at the bottom saying, don't do that. So that's what's going on with the text. But let's go into the reading. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back at the temple and a crowd gathered. He sat down and taught, and as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, I almost always say one comment in here just so that every woman in the audience and and in the congregation knows that this is dramatically unfair because it's really hard to commit adultery all by your lonesome. That's my comment to that. But that's not the way I'm going to approach the text today. But I do want you to hear that, 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 that they drug her, but she wasn't alone. This is the thing. They were trying to trap Jesus into saying something they could use against him. And Jesus, But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. And so he stood up again and he says, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers had heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. I want now I want to hear want you to hear this. This is a, a deeply troubling sort of text for the way that I'm gonna deal with it, but 
I need you to know that if you're caught in the midst of a situation where you're drug in front of everybody and you're being blamed as somebody, look, they're asking Jesus if it's all right to kill her. The Lord, It's all right. The law of Moses says to kill her. Do you agree with the law of Moses? That's what they're doing. So she is caught right in the middle of of an argument between Jesus and the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees. But she didn't start out her day trying to be in the middle of that. Nobody did. Although some people did sort of plot and try, I bet, I, I can just see them going, okay, this is going on over here, and we're going to use that against him. But she didn't do that. Now, she... Caught in adultery, guilty of adultery, right in the middle of adultery. She didn't start out thinking, let's commit adultery. I, I think most of the people that, that are in the middle of any situation where they're doing something that ends up being wrong. They don't start out going, man, I think we should do wrong and see how bad we could make it be. No, they start off thinking it through. Man, I just fell in love with him or I fell in love with her. And, and things just spun out of control. And pretty soon we got caught in the middle of the act. It doesn't matter church. It really doesn't matter how well you think things out. The best laid plans of mice and men, as John Steinbeck would say, they're going to go awry. Things aren't going to go exactly the way that you plan. Never in life does things go in the midst of the turmoil. But in the midst of her turmoil, just be with her a moment Sit with her a moment, being with her as she's drug in front, and they're saying, Moses says to kill her to Jesus, and Jesus kneels down and starts to write in the dust. Now, he doesn't come to her aid right away. It doesn't say that he does that. It doesn't say that he even argues with them, and they keep at him and keep at him. If you're her, right in the middle of that, what he's doing might not make any sense. And in fact, much of Christian action, when done following the Lord, doesn't make any sense to people from outside the Christian faith. But here she is in the midst of the trouble, God seems to not really be taking care of her. Now he is. He's writing in the dust, right? There's all sorts of reasons to think of this, that God knows the story of our lives, that he's writing it away. He knows the results of what's going to happen. Even in the midst of our turmoil, even in the midst of us not feeling like he knows what's going on, he does. But he doesn't just know what's going on and know how it's working, going to work out. He is actually in the midst of the situation, working it out in the best possible way for you in the midst of your turmoil. What do I mean by that? 
if I'm her, if I'm caught in the middle and I'm drug in the middle of this thing, if Jesus starts yelling back and forth with the accusers, that doesn't help me. Now, it might feel like it helps me because he's taking my side really like this, but what he's doing and the methodology that he's going about in the process really is the most on her side. It's going to be the best result for her. And the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are right in the midst of it. They don't know it at the moment, but they're in the midst of a teachable moment. She isn't quite in the teachable moment quite yet. Now, if that had been a man, he wouldn't be in the middle of the teachable moment either. Right now, they're in this thing. They're getting yelled at, and he's about to teach a lesson to them. Even though right in the middle of it, it doesn't look to her like he's being on her side or efficient or or doing all that. He's doing it. It doesn't make any sense what he's doing. And they demand an answer. And he finally comes up and he says just the right thing for their teachable moment. Nobody has ever let her off the hook. Do you understand that? Church, she is caught in the middle and not pleading innocent, but she didn't want to die. She didn't want to be stoned. It's a horrible way to stone. To die is to be stoned. So he's working for, he knows the results. He knows what's going to happen. He's in the middle of it working for you, even when it doesn't look like he's doing that. Even in the middle, um, he's there with her, not in the middle saying you're innocent of what you've done, but this is quite a nuanced thing. Lots of us say, I'm innocent. That's the song, I'm forgiven. I'm innocent of all I've done. No, you've been found innocent because somebody else paid the price. And even in our law courts, if somebody else has been convicted of the sin or of the, of the breaking of the law, they can't try you for it without going back and clearing them unless the two of you did it together. Jesus didn't do it with the woman. He wasn't involved in the sin or the, the law breaking with the woman. And so this is what he says. All right, but let the one who's never sinned cast the first stone. Now that's Jesus himself. He's essentially in the spot now where he's the only one who can throw a stone. Let that one, that person be the first one to throw a stone. So if you come to me in this spot and you're saying, but that person over there sinned, that person over there broke the law, you got to do that. And I'm going to say, okay, I don't know whether that's true or not, but let the one who's without sin cast the first stone. And that ain't me. It most certainly isn't the person that's gossiping about them in front of me. But Jesus is right there in the midst of it with that person being accused, with the woman being accused. He's right there in it. And when they all turn and walk away because, A, they're not qualified to throw the first stone, and B, they know it, 
They all slip away. And then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Well, they would have, but they weren't qualified as the judge. No, Lord, she said, none of them condemned me. And Jesus said, neither do I. I don't condemn you either. This is the point of forgiveness right here. Go and sin no more. Now, this doesn't make any sense to the non-Christian community, but God is right there in the midst of this with us, not sinning, not condemning, but calling us to live new and different lives. So here's the explanation of what's going on and how this feels to the non-believers. The, the next eight verses is about that. The Pharisees replied, you're making those claims about yourself. Well, I jumped forward, I'm sorry. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now he's starting to say something and it doesn't make any sense to them. The Pharisees replied, you're making such claims about yourself. Such testimony isn't valid, right? If you go and you say things, but nobody there backs you up, testimony of one person about yourself doesn't make any sense. Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I don't judge anyone. If I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I'm not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. This goes straight back to explaining the woman caught in adultery. They blame, but Jesus doesn't blame, and he doesn't blame, and the things he says about himself are exactly the truth about the Father. Your own law says that if two witnesses agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father has sent me as another. Where's your Father, they say, since you don't know who I am. You don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Let me just tell you, church, that this statement from a philosophical outside the Christian faith and belief relationship world, this is just weird nonsense, just as weird as Jesus writing in the dirt while being yelled at by accusers. Here it is again. Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Knowing Jesus doesn't mean your life won't spin out of control. I hate to tell you that. There are places in the world that say that if you just know him, things are going to be perfect for you. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that when stuff is spinning out of control, like the woman caught in adultery, like Washington caught in this COVID shutdown stuff, that our world is spinning out of control. Knowing Jesus doesn't mean you won't get caught in a world that spins out of control. What it means is that you'll know God because you know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you'll know God. And, and if you know God and you know Jesus, 
then you begin to understand that even in the midst of the turmoil that that you're in, he knows what's going to happen and how it's going to end up. Even if it doesn't seem like he's acting, he is acting toward the best result for you in the middle of that turmoil. Even if you can't see any signs of him acting, just like the woman only saw Jesus riding on the ground. She, he, she didn't understand. I don't think there's anybody in the area that understood what Jesus was doing completely. But here it is. He knows the results. He's working for you in the midst of it. And he's with you in the midst of it. So right now, church, if you knew Jesus, you know the Father. But if you knew the Father, you'd know Jesus. And if you knew them, then the way they act is the way that begins to bring life and hope and peace in the midst of the storm. Not because... Everything is peachy keen and and all the waters are flat and glassy. But that life in the middle of the storm, you've begun to understand that God and Jesus know what's going on. They're working for you in the midst of the problem. And here it is, church. They're right there with you in the midst of the problem. And if you knew me, you knew that I wouldn't judge by human standards because I don't really judge anybody. That's Jesus speaking. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I and the Father are one. The Father sent me is with me. Church, right in the midst of the life and the turmoil. Here it is. Jesus is with you. He's working for you, and he knows the outcome. Be at peace with that, Lord. With that, Lord, and your turmoil will go by as though God is in charge on on earth as it is in heaven, just exactly like that, because you know this Father. Lord Jesus, this, this... This morning, as we pray to you, we ask that we would know you and that we we would learn to trust you, that your anchor in our life holds, that, that even in the midst of things spinning out of control, you've got us. You're working for us and you're with us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Announcements this week go as such. I'm I'm a little slim on them. Some of you don't know this, but we moved our house this week. It was a little bit like having frappe turned on our life. Everything's in boxes. We can't find anything. But we do know this, that, that right now, at this moment, we can't meet together for a while. And so I ask you to be in prayer and to be talking to each other and to be caring for each other where you can. We were so cared for by the people that came and helped us move the other day. It was such a blessing to be part of this church. As you go, 
wherever you go, even if it's right in your living room or over to your kitchen, I pray that you would sow hope into your life, that you would plant hope, that you would know that hope is on the way because you know this Lord Jesus. Be at peace, church. Be at peace. Amen.